Hello, and thank you for joining us again on our Gilmore Girls podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Gilmore Girls is the coffee, and we're the shot of cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And this week we're going to be discussing uh, episode 16 of season four, The Reigning Lorelei, which uh, a lot happens in this, in this episode as we were discussing before we pressed record. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I have a lot. <laughs> yeah, she has a lot. She's like, she's like processing. She's going to have to have word vomit all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, I did want to um, address something that is actually, uh, speaking of word vomit, um, address something that has come up in a couple of reviews we've received recently. Um, negative ones, I guess. <laughs> Not that it matters. And uh, every time we, we, we share a negative review that we get on our social media, everyone's like, we get like messages saying, oh my gosh, don't listen to that. Like, you know, just basically like loving and supporting us. And that's very nice. Um, we don't like, we don't post those for attention or like to get, like get validation from anybody. It's just, we think it's funny. We, we like to like clap back sometimes, especially when people call us unbearable. It's like, you took time out of your life to write a paragraph, but how we're unbearable, but okay. Um, but one thing the uh, reviews that we got recently had met. Well, one of them was structured around the fact that apparently Eleni interrupts me all the time. I didn't really notice that, honestly. Um, she she texted me right away. She's like, sorry for interrupting you all the time. I'm like, I really, okay. I don't really get, I don't really see that very much. Um, mostly because I'll kind of like lose my words or train of thought. And you're like, you'll complete the sentence for me or something most and I think that mostly started because when we first started our podcast um I was like kind of nervous about verbalizing my thoughts I'm mostly you know I'm more of a writer I'm more like type my thoughts onto a screen or on I write them onto a page so like I it took me a while to find a groove with like speaking my thoughts so I think Eleni kind of was taking the reins whenever I would lose myself there so I think maybe that's where the dynamic of her interrupting me all the time came from but it's really not that deep so I wouldn't worry I wouldn't worry about it uh yeah I text Jeffrey like we got that review the review as a whole was pretty funny um uh not the unbearable one the other one and I that was because because like well Alani made her first appearance that's true yeah that was fucking hilarious um (laughs) uh my name (laughs) (laughs) anyways um yeah I had text Jeffrey and I was like sorry for interrupting you all the time and I like I was in a bad place, you guys. <laughs> yes. I was uh, a little bit extra sensitive that week for various reasons, not having to do with the podcast. And then when I saw that, I was like, I'm so sorry, Jeffrey. I was like, please don't internalize that because yeah. I really don't feel like you interrupt me. I feel like anytime you kind of interject, you you either have like a counterpoint so you need to stop me or like you kind of maybe sense that I'm losing my train of thought, like whatever it is. But I think we kind of, we bounce off each other well in my, in my brain. Yeah. I mean, I think also like I've had this discussion with Jeffrey a lot too. I think um, a lot of it is just me being ethnic and we talk over each other a lot. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I, maybe I, I mean, I really don't notice it. So like maybe if listeners have a different perspective, that's interesting to me because I don't, I don't see it. You know? Yeah, I think in my, like, in my culture, it's very much, um, whenever you want to show somebody that you're listening to them, mm-hmm. you kind of not talk over them, but you're like, oh, yes, I know what you mean. You mean, no, 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 no. And, like, you rephrase it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But also, it's just, like, I grew up kind of um, weird in the sense that, like, 
nobody really listened to me growing up. Mm-hmm. Not to bring up past traumas or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, because we were talking about therapists right before we pressed record. Um, this is something that I actually have worked out uh, in therapy that um, the reason I, I, when I'm with somebody that I'm comfortable with, like speaking with, the reason that I kind of get very excited and kind of talk over people sometimes is because, um, you know, throughout my life, it was very difficult to be heard in my life mm-hmm. uh, with my family members and, um, you know, and it still kind of happens to this day. So when somebody does give me the floor, maybe that's why I want to start a podcast, but when somebody <laughs> give me the floor, I get so fucking excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm the, I, I'm the same way. Because anytime, like, I say to you, like, I want to do this topic. It has nothing to do with Gilmore Girls. But just, like, you you can sense I'm so excited that I want to talk about it. So you're like, go right ahead. Like, don't even worry. So, yeah. I mean, I... So, like, we're here to, you know, it's our fucking show, and we're here to do whatever we want. You know what I mean? And, um... You know, if I know that my friend is excited about something and he wants to talk about something, who am I to say, no, fuck you? Like, we get enough of that in our regular lives. It's our goddamn show. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I really, like I get, like I said, if, if she ever does interrupt me, it's really, like, I, I welcome it because she probably has something more intelligent to say, more, like, she has to interject. That's on her. I don't, it really doesn't matter to me. And um, if you feel a need to write us a long negative review, it's, comical to us so go right ahead we don't yeah, the, one that was, the reason I posted the one that said we were unbearable was just because the first thing I saw was the three stars and I'm like oh three stars okay that's not bad like maybe they they don't agree with our Gilmore Girls opinions and then I kept reading the review and they're like in a word unbearable and then I'm like hold up we're unbearable and you still gave us three stars that's amazing yeah it's pretty generous <laughs> Oh, and then apparently we were delusional and um, because we're delusional because we don't like Dean. And also she said something. I think it's a she. She said something that really like annoyed me. She was like, if you don't have the same opinion as them, be prepared to have your Twitter handle revealed for everybody. I don't think we've ever when we've disagreed with somebody like called them out by name. No, never the strong word. But I don't think. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either, because I wouldn't want to be called out either. No, and especially, I think we might have, like, mentioned maybe the person's name, but not, like, their Twitter, like, not, like, their, their Twitter handle or their username specifically. No, I don't think, unless it was, like, a question that we got sent or something. Yeah. People do, like, a shout-out every once in a while. But, but I'm pretty, but I'm pretty, like, aware of that. Like, if, some, like if I'm reading a negative comment, like, I'm not going to share the person, like, I'll try not to share the person's name or twitter handle or whatever because like i don't know it just it seems like we're and then inviting like hate on us for calling the like you know what i mean it's just it's not even for me it's not even hate it's more like i don't want to make the person feel bad like we're calling them out personally yeah so if you if you wrote something that i don't agree with Again, like, it's a fucking show. It's not, we're never going to be like, fuck you, die. Like, no. <laughs> um, except for that one time that I said that because you like Love Actually. No, what was it? You, no, you said they should, they should die for liking Love Actually. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. I'm getting help for that, guy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, she kind of still stands by that. I'm going to have to. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is that, like, it, I... I 
I don't like that's why I took it personal that that part in particular person the rest I couldn't give a fuck but that part I was like I don't think we've ever really said like Lauren said this and go like fuck her up because she's a Dean fan you know what I mean like it never like I can say with absolute certainty we've never done anything like that so yeah I was just like I don't know where you're getting your facts by the way this person is probably team Dean you you think because she went out of her way to say that she wasn't true that's a red flag to me yeah and like that's what I mean it's just comical because you took however much time out of your life to listen to our our long ass podcast and then write a paragraph um, longer than a paragraph from what I saw about how how unbearable we are so like sweetie that's on you (laughs) Yeah. Somebody wrote to us um, in response to that. She's like, so she's been listening for four seasons. I wouldn't call that a hater. I'd call that a fan. Exactly. You're right, girl. (laughs) Anyways, I really like, and that's what I said. I was like, I don't really care. We do this for fun. We're not getting paid for this. It's not like, it's not that serious. No, it's really not. Like, and by the way, if you have nothing better to do than like sit there and write a page about how how unbearable we are, mm-hmm. like when you have nothing to gain out of it, you know what I mean? Like I don't understand negative reviews to begin with. On like, any- yeah, especially in the in the context of like a podcast or like a product review, I guess of why you don't like why you hate something so much. I'm not gonna say I don't understand if it's a book because we both no. we both written. We've both written bitter one-star reviews. Before. Oh my god, 100%. What I what I mean by that is that I don't understand like if you haven't been personally like victimized by something or I don't know, I just think for the purposes of a podcast mm-hmm. or like on a YouTube channel or whatever, it's like your option is literally to stop clicking. Yeah. To press like shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like mm. But then to take it a step, you must really hate us if you took it a step further to write we were unbearable. Yeah, like it's I th- I think it's just they 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 feel that the internet gives them like gives everyone a voice, so they want their voice to be heard of how much we how much they don't like us and how much we bother them. And it's like okay, but that's gonna leave that's that's more on you than it is on us because you took time out of your life to write a long bad review. Yeah. And then the the last thing I'll say about it is, and it's not to this person in particular, it's to anyone that questions, um, you know, why we say the things we say about certain plot points and characters. One of the things that this person said is that um, they don't know how we can call ourselves fans of the show when all we do is criticize the characters. Mm. Um, so part of being a fan of a show is recognizing when your favorite characters also have flaws. Yes. In my opinion. <laughs> like we're both avid believers of that. I think I think our entire podcast was born from that idea. Yeah, like and then in the same breath then tell me that I don't do deep analysis. That's I, that's <laughs> Honey, the reason they have deep flaws is because I analyze them. Like that to me proves you, she she hasn't listened to four seasons cuz anybody knows um you know karen and michelle we know you're out there we know you we know you know how much we analyze so um it's really you really didn't listen you really weren't paying attention so that's it that's all i wanted to say and um i'm sorry (laughs) 
Uh, well, I'll, there's no apology necessary, and all I have to say is if you don't like it, don't listen. There it is. Shall we move on? Yes, please. Alrighty. We are talking about episode 416, The Reigning Lorelei. Yes. Um, this episode is very Gilmore-centric. Not a lot of uh, town shenanigans. Not even no, but, no, but they do insert a couple, like a few little uh, anecdotes with the town. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they're they're pretty much secondary at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is the episode where Graham dies. Oh, I'm so sad. I know. It's so fucking sad that an 83-year-old bitter woman is dead. Yeah. She was a saint, you know, a saint. A saint, goddammit! <laughs> she was not Richard, but good lord. Anyways, whatever. Um, all I have to say about that is that grief does weird things to people. Yeah, I think he would have probably said he was a, she was a saint before she died. Um, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, not saint, but he would have like his. No, his... but I think I think the 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 word saint is very indicative of like I think the fact that he exaggerated and went like she's a saint. I think that was him because we know he's guilty about the last conversation that they had. Mm-hmm. So I think him going like she's a saint was him kind of like making up for the fact that the last conversation that they had is when he yelled at her mm-hmm. and he's like well now I have to prove that she was an amazing woman and that I loved her Do you know what I mean like yeah exactly I think maybe before he would have been like my mother was incredible <laughs> but now <laughs> he's yeah I don't know I just think uh, listen like I said grief is weird yeah um grief does weird things to everyone Guilt is also very, uh, very weird. Yes. Um, and clearly Richard has a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading through my notes from what I wrote down when I was watching this episode just a couple of hours ago. And um, as we were discussing before we pressed record, um, we're both like depressed and anxious all of a sudden. And we're contacting our mental health professionals. And I'm reading my notes and they make no sense. So I think I was oh, like... Really? Like what? In terms of how I wrote them down, like I obviously know what I wrote, but the the way the order in which I wrote things down was just like, have you never seen this show before? <laughs> um, so like my first thought was it was weird how Sweetie and Gran die so close together, but then it makes sense later on in the episode because Emily can then say, you know, he, uh, your dad played golf instead of coming to my best friend's funeral. That's what your dad did. But yeah. I, as I was watching and like chronologically taking notes i'm like so weird they die so close together it's like bitch have you, seen, have you seen this show before like are you new <laughs> <laughs> jeffrey are you new here i think i am <laughs> yeah. um yeah my my thing was a little weird my note taking this week was a little weird because i took four pages of notes Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. I I wrote barely half a page, so I think. Okay, I think so that's what I was saying when I said I had a lot to say, and then before we pressed record, I was like, "Do I have a lot to say, or was I just like so out of it when I watched this episode?" Because, like Jeffrey said, we've both been a little bit weird these past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Was I so out of it that I was just scared I was gonna forget something and wrote everything down? Yeah, I think we're both experiencing like two different extremes here. Of like, I'm like, what? What are what are words? How do I write words? And you're like, four pages of notes. I'm like, all the words. I wrote thank <laughs> you at one point. Why? Okay. W. That's my. Y E W. Jesus. Anyway. That's my impact. Thank you. I know. Thank you. 
<laughs> anyways so yeah i was like i don't want to forget anything let's be honest it is an important episode uh in terms of character development and plot development but it was also just like relax at any like calm this calm thyself but anyways um <laughs> okay so um emily's grieving in her own way mm-hmm. um so Emma, I think it's important to note in this episode that Emily's grieving two things. Emily's grieving, um, first of all, she's grieving her friend that passed away, right? Yes. But I feel like in a deeper sense, she's kind of grieving her marriage a little bit. Yeah, because we could see the slow decline of her, maybe not her marriage, like we know where this is going obviously having seen the show before but yeah um like the slow decline of her i guess i want to say confidence but it's not it's not really confidence it's more just like the like i don't know I the confidence e- is the right word i mean yeah i don't know she's like losing confidence in her relationship with her husband yeah i think yeah i think it's she's never had to question his love for her before yeah and it's really the first time that we see at least that she's really um, struggling with his actions and his words. So the first thing that we hear is that sweetie died and that the funeral's on Sunday. And then Richard's like, Oh, well I can't go to the funeral because there's a client coming to town and I have to golf with him. Actually, I'm actually, I have to offer an addendum to that because what he does say is how important how important is it for me to be at this funeral and that to me is that to me is what like that to me words hello words um it's like signaling to emily that he's already failed her test like it's the fact that he has to ask how important is it to her that he attend her best friend's funeral is that like you know what bitch it's not important at all go play golf like that to me was emily's like emily's realization that okay my husband doesn't give a shit bye-bye yeah, like when your when your wife's best friend or one of her greatest friends dies, probably the thing not to say is how important is it is it that I come to the funeral? Yeah, exactly. I, I would say it's pretty fucking important, Richard. If the fact that he had to question how 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 important is it for me to be there for my wife? That's like, oh, okay, cool. And the fact is that he's saying like I'm not able to make it. You 100% are able to make it mm-hmm. because. You own your own business. Yeah. You have a partner who can go and play golf with this guy. Um, it's not the end of the world if you don't make it. You know what I mean? To me, it's not, oh, I'm, I really, really can't get out of this client. It's really, I don't want to. Yeah. And that's that's part of the reason why Emily is so upset is because she, based on the whole first part of the season is that she is you know she's upset that Richard retired then went back to work and now all of a sudden is acting as if he's in his 20s again and it has has you know the whole world is his, is his oyster meanwhile she's like um I thought we may you know like I thought you this was a partnership and you're going and deciding things for you and you you only and not yeah. not me your wife of you know 39 years who has done literally everything for you yeah no for sure um you know, I wish, I kind of wish in these moments that Emily would kind of be, like, a little bit more forceful in the same way that she is with other people. Yeah. So part of me thinks, I had thought while watching this episode, part of me thinks Emily takes out all her anger on her maids because she can't fully express herself with Richard. 
Exactly. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm like, she has to yell at somebody because she can't yell at Richard. So she takes it out on her maids and Lorelai. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. But yeah, you know, I just, yeah, I was just from the first, you know, that was even before the the opening credits rolled. And already you're like, oh, this is no bueno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is no bueno, Richard, go back. Anyways. Which, go, which like goes hand in hand with the, with the final scene from last week, right? Where it's just. Oh, 100%. We were talking how, we were talking about it last week, how great that final scene was. Mm-hmm. But we already knew things were rocky after that final scene. And then this scene, this episode opens with Richard just piling on. And you're like, oh, Richard, no, goddammit, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, part of me wishes Emily would be like, Richard, it's very fucking important that you come or I'll cut you. But see, I think I, I kind of I kind of sympathize and I see or sympathize and empathize with Emily's position here is be, because at this point in their life and their marriage together, it's like she, she's done like telling him what she needs like if he doesn't if you don't know then i can't tell you like you need jesus to tell you then because i've been here for 39 years catering to your every whim your every need and now the now that you know you're in this new business venture and acting as if you're 25 again you seem to forget my you, you, you seem to forget your wife's needs your wife's desires whatever it is is that now you just you, you just don't what you just don't exist like your marriage is doesn't yeah. is just a backseat to your to your own life no, that's not how well, that works I, I definitely agree with that I definitely think like after so long together you shouldn't have to ask your wife do you want me to come to your best friend's funeral that that's something that you should just know that yes 100% you know what I mean you have to be there mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm just for me it's more frustrating the fact that like yeah absolutely it's frustrating that, that she has to tell him in the first place she shouldn't have to tell him but I'm also just like you know, you're such a badass with everyone else. You have no problem telling the wait staff that the candlesticks have to be six inches apart or else you'll cut their dick off. Yeah. But, you know, you can't be like, Richard, you're coming. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's, anyways, whatever. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. I think she, I think she's just passed that, though. Like, we've, cause yeah, we've, sure. we've seen that, Emily, in previous seasons, right? Where she's like, Richard, now. Like, we're going. Let's go. And now she's just like... You know what? I'm done. I'm done. Pl- I'm done. You know, being the the bossy, domineering wife who has to like tell her husband what I what she needs. Like, you, if you, if you don't know what I need by this point, I, I can't help you. Yeah, that's also just a level. We were talking last week how Emily's probably super depressed at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we would know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's just a point where you're like, you're so fucking tired at a certain point. Oh, I think we can confirm 100% that Emily has some a form of depression based on the, the the version of her we see later in this episode. Yeah, no, let's get to that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like when you when you get that when you get to that level of like, you know what? If you don't know, I can't tell you kind of thing. Mm. You're too far gone. Yeah, exactly. Anyways. So um, I want to talk about when Lorelai finds out that she, that Grand died. Mm-hmm. Um, so Michelle is they're at Suki's house doing a budget meeting, and Michelle is trying to record the Westminster Dog Show. Seriously, how did we? Why did we ever for one minute think he was straight? Like, did anyone believe that? I didn't. Okay, so that's what I wanted to say. I was like, 
if because first I was, I was saying um he wanted to record the 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 dog show and he was like oh i just love the chows so that's foreshadowing so he's gonna buy two chow chows yeah um but then i also wrote in my notes he's so gay <laughs> yeah like you know no tea no shade no pink lemonade but sweetie that man's a homosexual <laughs> yeah by the way do you know who won the westminster dog show this year uh, wasn't that what everyone was talking about on Twitter? Sometimes I was just like, oh, what's that? That's something that someone's talking about. <laughs> I, so I actually know. posted it on our Twitter because I, I wrote, if you've never seen this dog, um, the the dog that won, it's a Pekingese. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. I think so. Um, but the hair is flawless. Mm-hmm. But then there's another picture of him where it's not so flawless. And I wrote... <laughs> If this chaotic fucker can go out and win the Westminster Dog Show, you can do anything. It's true. It's true. I know exactly which book you're talking about. I, yeah. I didn't know if, if that was the winner or if that was just something people were making fun of. I didn't know. No, yeah, that was the winner. And I was just like, this poor little fucker. And his name is Wasabi. He's so cute. But Dear also, God, that's not a good name for a dog. That's cute. Okay, fine. For a small dog, I guess. I guess. I would never name, like, a Doberman Wasabi. But yeah, I, imagine, like, naming, like, a big strapping dog, like, come on, Wasabi. No, no. Yeah, there are certain names that dogs, like, bigger dogs should not have, I find. For sure. Like, you can't name it Poo-Poo. Like, you know what I mean? Dear God, no. <laughs> I have a friend who named her dog Mildred. Okay, I, I like that. <laughs> like it, my mom, every time I tell her, like, oh, I saw Mildred today. She's like, who the fuck is Mildred? <laughs> forgets because she hates the name. Anyway, but that's like a tiny dog's name. You know what I mean? That's like a yeah. rich lady petting it in the corner and leaving her fortune to it name. Even then, I could like see, I don't know, a nice like, a nice like white lab, like female lab. Like, this is Mildred. Like, oh, Mildred's beautiful. Like, I don't know. I could see that. <laughs> All right. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, so Emily calls Lorelai while she's at Suki's to tell her that Grand died. And I think actually Emmy, eh, Emmy, <laughs> Emily's actually sounds pretty, ups- not upset, but maybe a little sad because it happened so suddenly. Yeah, she's like, I think she's sad for the family. She's sad. I don't know if like she's not, obviously she has her, she had her differences with uh, Grand herself, obviously, but I think she's just like, She's she knows the situation is sad. I don't know if she what her personal opinions are, but she puts them aside because it's her husband, and you know. Yeah, I think, I think the the proper society lady and Emily is like, there's been a death in the family. It's sad. Yeah. You know? And I think part of her is finally starting to feel useful again. Mm-hmm. Um, like she loves lists. She loves to do lists. She loves to have something to do. She loves to have a purpose. Yeah. So all this time that Rich is like, well, I don't need you to plan this, this and that. And she's kind of been flitting to the mall and buying shit and doing whatever. And now she's like, well, finally, my husband needs me to take care of stuff again. Yeah. It's kind of weird to say, but maybe like not she's happy, but obviously she's not happy. She's hurting for her husband. But I think she's happy at the fact that she gets her quote unquote job back. Yeah, for sure. I would agree so, with that. Um, you know, so I think she's very much in her element at this point. Uh, Richard, on the other hand, is uh, no bueno. <laughs> no, and it's I'm not going to say it's embarrassing, but it's just like, it's a lot. It's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, so again, I think this is where the guilt comes in. So like, 
I don't think his reaction would have been this strong if they hadn't ended on such bad terms. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about mock turtle soup for a minute? Okay, I was gonna Google this before before we before we recorded, and I didn't, and I kind of want to Google it now. So. Okay, so no, I can just tell you what's in it. <laughs> uh, so mock turtle soup is meant to replicate the texture of actual turtle soup. Mm-hmm. So turtle meat, I should say. And what it is is it's um it takes all like non-conventional parts of animals to make we're talking brains feet organ meats Mm -hmm. and um yeah (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) well i did i did google it and it looks more like it looks like a bit of a stew like just yeah yeah for sure then you read what is it, according to Wikipedia, mock turtle soup is an English soup that was created in the mid 18th century as a cheaper imitation of green turtle soup. It often uses brains and organ meats, such as a calf's head or a calf's foot, to duplicate the texture and flavor of the original turtle's meat. Okay. okay. Uh, You're nasty. Cool. <laughs> and then, okay, so now I just tapped on turtle soup which is defined as a soup or stew made from the meat of turtles, obviously. Different versions of the soup exist in some cultures and are viewed as a delicacy. Okay. You do you, you do you, I guess. But to be fair, in my culture, we do some weird shit with brains, too. Okay. Like, on Easter, when we roast a lamb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to... People eat, and by people, I mean my grandmother she'll eat the brains she'll eat the eyeballs she'll uh it's nasty guys okay that's fine it's nasty for me i'm sorry (laughs) i'm not not meant to i don't want to insult anyone for me the thought of it i mean you know me and my white ass and how i eat so you can imagine (laughs) you can imagine how i feel about that yeah you not so great (laughs) uh (laughs) Yeah, so he, he keeps going on about mock turtle soup, and Suki makes him mock turtle soup, but Emily thinks it's called turtleneck soup. Anyways, he's not he's not in a very good place. And again, I stand by what I said. I don't think his reaction would have been this extreme if um, they hadn't had a fight right before he died, right before she died. Like, the woman was 87, you know what I mean? Like 87 or 83? You said 83 before. <laughs> Who's 87? Oh, my grandmother's 87. Ooh. <laughs> He's 83. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but Richard's reaction really, like, made me think of how we deal with emotions in this show in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, how we deal with men's emotions in this show. I thought it was really refreshing to see Richard being so open with his sadness and his tears. Especially when the rest of the men on the show are clearly repress everything. Yeah, like... I I'm don't... talking about Luke. I'm talking about Jess. I'm, like, they just push everything down until it manifests in anger and punching. Yeah, I think there's very few instances where the men on the show are, like, are given the opportunity to express emotion in this mm-hmm. kind of way. So it's like, oh, someone died. Okay, well, his, mo- his mother died, not just someone his mother died, and now, obviously, your mother, you lose a parent. That's that's a given. But I think 
with if we're going to compare to like Luke or Jeff or I mean, even Logan later on, like it's it's different, I would think, because like the way that let's say maybe like people Jess and Logan's age were taught how to deal with emotions are much different than Luke's generation and especially Richard's generation, you know? So it's like, I wouldn't add empowering as a big, is a strong word. I wouldn't use that, but like for Richard, who clearly never shows, never has never showed public emotion in his life. I would argue it's, it's interesting to watch. I would think, yeah, I would say. Yeah. I just don't think that the show was meant to be, I mean, even the way we talk about it, the show talks about emotions surrounding the women in the show. Mm-hmm. Every time they do have, they show a little bit of emotion. It's always a, like a full on breakdown. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I so, think like yeah. they're, I think it's just in terms of like the Gilmore women, if we discuss like <laughs> Lorelai, Rory and Emily in particular, and maybe throw in Paris too. She's not a Gilmore, but she, you know, like those women in, in particular, those female characters are, very high strung so i don't know if it's because the men by contrast aren't high strung or they aren't written that way they're not supposed to come across that way i would think that i think if we're going to discuss like men's emotions in particular vis-a-vis gilmore girls i think like a character like jess is more like he has more depth than than we're made to think you know like he has emotion, but he had a terrible upbringing, and that's why he doesn't know how to deal with it, deal with his emotions or express them properly. Whereas, like someone like Richard, clearly had a respectable upbringing, but his generation's attitude towards like mental health and emotions and being emotional in general for men of his age group is just a big no-no. So it's same kind of thing. It's like it's just it's it's different for like Richard to show emotion versus like. Luke or Jess to show emotion, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I just, I think part of me is just so frustrated where I'm like, with other characters in the show who don't talk about things and don't deal with things, and then it all kind of blows up in their faces. Yeah, actually, if we're talking about men's emotions on Gummo Girls, I think we just ignored the big elephant in the room, you know, who doesn't process his emotions well at all and then takes it out on everybody else. Mm-hmm. we'll just not say his name i think we know we all know who we're talking about we all know who it is <laughs> the sperm donor the sperm donor anyways um all that to say i think it was a really nice moment between richard and lorelei and his study um you know that whole speech he gave of like you only get one set of parents kind of thing part of me is like is he trying to like subconsciously tell lorelei i love you and we weren't on the best of terms but i love you <laughs> I wouldn't. I didn't. I didn't get that vibe from that scene in particular, but I did get that from the the final scene at the end with Richard and Emily, which we'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. It's at the it's at the very end. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty scene. Okay, we'll put a pin in it, like you said. <laughs> um. Okay. So Emily and Lorelai go to Grant's house to empty her basement. Her basement is a fucking disaster, by the way. And it looks it looks similar to Richard and Emily's basement. Yeah, obviously it's shot in the same place. <laughs> it's just a clusterfuck of fucking antiques. But anyways, um, Emily, they're sorting through some papers, and Emily's trying to hide these crystal glasses from cousin Marilyn, and Lorelai comes across 
a carbon copy of a letter that Gran wrote to Richard on the eve of his nuptials. Mm. And essentially this letter says, hey, I know you're getting married tomorrow and my timing sucks, but I really don't think you should marry this woman. She's not for you. She doesn't have what it takes to be in our family. And I'm sure, by the way, I'm sure your ex-girlfriend will take you back. Yeah. (laughs) So fuck your wife, love mom, bye. (laughs) (laughs) So Emily, who has been scrambling to fulfill Gran's final wishes. So she wants a reverend that's retired. She wants a florist that retired. She wants to be buried in fresh clothing, which I'm with Lorelai. I think that means new clothing. Like Emily, who is like breaking her head because her her husband is clearly not in his right mind. She's been breaking her head to try and get everything in order. And then, and to top it all off, doesn't have the best relationship with her mother-in-law, to say the least. Yeah. Then finds this fucking letter. And what do you expect her to do? Like, imagine just just not even considering the fact that we we have we as viewers have seen uh, Emily and Gran did not get along. But just just imagine as just your in your husband's wife, like I like just the wife of the family, like I'm doing this. Like, there was a, like you said, there was a death in the family. I'm doing what needs to be done, like us uh, putting aside all ugly feelings. She's just doing what she what needs to be done. And all of a sudden she finds this carbon copy like she not only wrote the letter she kept a carbon copy of it for her safekeeping apparently by the way isn't that so grand like yeah strike you as the woman that like everything has to have a fucking paper trail for sure but just like imagine like just doing all of that like it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you had with her in life she's dead now my husband's mother is dead i'm doing what needs to be done and all of a sudden you just you get a reminder of how much to what extent you did she didn't know but you get a reminder of just how much gran didn't like emily and not only didn't like her but begged her son to not marry her to like leave her at the altar essentially as they say like can you blame emily for being like fuck this ciao yeah i don't <laughs> so <laughs> the first thing that came to mind when i when i saw this scene again because I I forget how great it was. The first thing that came to mind is, you know, in All Stars 3. Oh, my God. When, for those of you who don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race, fast forward. You know in All Stars 3 when Shangela finds a note from Thorgy? Vaguely. Refresh my memory. So, Thorgy, when when Thorgy got eliminated, she wrote on the mirror. uh, Yes. like, Like a dick to Shangela, like, fuck you kind of thing. Yeah. And Shangela's like, you know what? She's upset. Whatever. I'm going to let it go. But then she finds a, a note on the wall that Thorgy left Trixie. And it says, fuck Shangela, that shady bitch. Oh, so my then, God. Yes. I remember that now. So then, do you remember what she says in her confessional? She was like, no. how much does Shangela have to take? Right. So yes. Like, <laughs> that's the first thing I thought. I was like, come on. How much does Emily have to take? Like, her mother-in-law has treated her like shit her entire life. She's never been allowed to say anything about it. Her husband just laughs when her mother treats her like shit because he thinks it's all a big joke. Meanwhile, by the way, don't forget the fact that this, her mother, her mother-in-law wrote this letter 
her husband presumably read it, right? So he knows that Trix's disdain for Emily is not just ha ha ha. It runs deeper than that because clearly she wanted him to leave her at the altar. You know what I mean? It's not like a funny joke of like a mother-in-law teasing her daughter-in-law. No, you're no, you're you're for sure, a hundred percent. Like it you runs know? much deeper than that. Exactly. So for me, it was all like I was already pissed off. Like I've said it before. I'm already pissed off every time Gran insults Emily and Richard's just like, "Oh, tricks! You're so naughty." <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> yeah, and then like now you think about the fact that he read this letter, so he knows it's more serious than that, mm-hmm. and he still doesn't stick up for his wife. I'm sorry, but how much does Emily have to take for real? <laughs> so then Emily says one of my favorite fucking lines of the series. She's like, find a box, throw her in, we're done. Oh, yes. Yeah. We, you, you know, I love, you know, that's my favorite, one of my favorite Emily lines, too. Well, you know what? I'm fucking with her. Just throw the bitch in a box. And what is she, no, I was going to, I was going to write it down, but she was talking too fast and I didn't want to go, I didn't want to rewind. She also says what, something about, Tossing her into a ravine and letting a wolverine eat her. Yeah, and then Lorelai's like, well, getting a wolverine next to the ravine at the same time takes planning, mother. (laughs) But it's just like, poor Emily. Like, and then Lorelai says something really important afterwards when they're at the house sorting the papers. She's like, well, it was, was it Lorelai or Rory? I don't remember. But they said, do you think, like, she wanted her to find it? I don't know. It's like, it's hard to say. I know, it's hard to say, but part of me, like, if Emily really thought that, part of me is like, that's not, like, a far stretch. You know what I mean? Like, at this point, anything is possible with this woman. Yeah, like, we know how nasty Gran was, so I wouldn't, honestly, now that I think about it, I wouldn't put it past her to have left that carbon copy in hopes that one day, or not even hopes, but, like, possibly for Emily to find one day just so she could realize how much I really hated you. Yeah, like part of me is like, no, she's just the type of woman that wants a copy and everything in order and keeps a paper trail of everything, clearly, since they're sorting through so much paperwork. And the other part of me is like, that bitch knew that Emily was going to have to do everything. She knew. (laughs) You know, like part of me is just like this fucking bitch. Yeah. I can't deal. I can't. I can't (laughs) do it. But yeah, so I was just like, how much does Emily have to take? God damn it. It's true. Side note, can I share my favorite All-Stars 3 quote? I think it's from All-Stars 3. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, girl, that's a lot of emotion for safe. Yes, that was Aja uh, <laughs> talking to Milk, who is safe because she thought she did such an amazing Celine Dion. No, <sighs> you're fucking delusional. Get out of here. Like, I'm sorry. I love Milk, but that that was a lot that was a bit like exactly a lot of emotion for safe and that's what I say to myself uh like whenever I'm being dramatic or overreacting about something I'm like girl that's a lot of emotion for safe <laughs> that's a really good thing to say to yourself at least you right? can recognize uh, you should <laughs> recognize that you're being uh milky exactly but. it's a, it's a good it's a good instinct to have just like if you ever find yourself just losing your mind over saying that doesn't matter and it's not going to matter in the long run in the long run just like girl that's a lot of emotion for safe yeah, like you're, a, yeah go ahead. you're fine nobody cares <laughs> basically um also on a side note every time i watch an episode of like trixie and katya's show mm-hmm. 
You know what it's called? I'm not a huge fan of Trixie and Katya. What is it called? <laughs> Are you ready? Hello? You cut out what? <laughs> <laughs> I said you're ready for what it's called? No, I didn't even hear you just like it. Eh. <laughs> oh god. Okay, so it's called uh. <laughs> That's what it's called? That's what it's called. <laughs> okay. Thus thus summing up why I don't like Trixie and Katya. <laughs> Yeah, um, I like Katya. I don't like Trixie as much, but anyways. Um, but yeah, every time I watch their show, like, you know, their short episodes are like 15 minutes. Sometimes I'll put one on in the background while I'm knitting or whatever. I mm. always find something like a reaction gif to yeah. like something Gilmore Girls related. <laughs> like, you guys are fucking relatable when you see this shit. But anyways. Um, like, like drama con flama. Drama con flama, guys. That's a new one. <laughs> but we're going to keep using it. Anyways. So, yeah, my my whole thing was, like, poor Emily. But, yeah. Um, let's also talk about the fact that Gran was related to Gramps, I guess. Her husband. Her husband. So it was her Gran, second cousin. Gran and Charles were second cousins. That's not as gross as, like, first cousins. Yeah, I mean, like, I understand uh, Lorelai and Rory getting, like, grossed out by it because by our modern standards it is gross if you think about it, it. i mean but don't forget gran was 83 in 2004 mm-hmm. which means she was born in oh god jesus take the wheel with the math uh she would have been let's born in 1921 she, yeah i was about to say let's just say she was 84 so it was 1920 uh, <laughs> and apparently we're, we're made to believe in this episode that the gilmore family was a very prominent family so, you know, rich people do fucked up shit all the time. Let's be honest. Yeah, and like in in past centuries, it really was super common to marry your cousin to keep the bloodlines close, as Emily says. So it's it, it is really gross by our modern standards when you think about it. But it's marrying cousins, getting married has a long history. Yeah. Okay. Especially, uh, you know what? I'm not gonna say it, but. <laughs> But I have, and then I was trying to think, I'm like, who are my second cousins? Let's think. And then when you kind of put it in the context of your own family, it is a little bit gross. Yeah. (laughs) Because some of my second cousins, like, I love more than others. And I'm like, ooh, no. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it's whatever. But, um, yeah, no, definitely by today's standards, it's fucking gross. Shut up, Gren. And then we... (laughs) I think it's the only time we hear uh, Richard's father's name. And I it think was so. Charles. I, are we made to believe that, like, Richard grew up in England? Um, or at know. least spent a lot of his childhood there? That's a good question. Um, I think maybe... maybe. Like, because in even, like, earlier seasons, when they referred to Gran, it was like, oh, Gran's back in England, you know? Yeah, and, like, every time he says stuff, like, you know, you remember that episode where he made that dish, that Johnny Machete dish? Yeah. And he's like, my Gran used, my Gran used to make this for me when my cricket team lost. Cricket is a British thing. It's true. And, like, he sometimes makes weird references to, like, how she was... I don't know. I don't know. I think it's weird. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean... She does have an accent also when she speaks. 
Yeah, and it's not like it's never specified whether Richard is British. So Well, you can only assume. They do say his ancestors came over on the Mayflower, but she lives in England. So Yeah. I don't know. Well, either way like I, I don't know. Either way it's his his culture is rooted in, in England, but He's a uh, white man, okay? Yeah, but I don't know. That would require deeper thought and analysis than I have for today. <laughs> Fuck that. Let's move on. Um, okay. So, uh, I think it's important to talk about the scene where Lorelai has to kind of become the planner <laughs> because Emily loses her goddamn mind. Are you referring to Lorelai making her own scene in a mall? Well, I think the scenes before, everything leading up to that... So, um, the scene where she's at the kitchen table with Rory and she's sorting the papers and then she goes over the next day with Suki and they're trying, you know, Suki's like, can I set up in the dining room? And Emily's like, I don't know, what would Penelin Watt do? And, uh, by the way, so sassy, I love it. And, like, I don't know, it's just that the bitterness that Emily expresses in the, in all the scenes where she's in her nightgown smoking a cigarette and reading her book. <laughs> like, oh, the great. bitterness that she expresses throughout those scenes, it's just, like, it's very, very justified. And it's, like... Oh, 100%. And it's hard to say, like, y- it's hard to say, like, you shouldn't be doing this right now. It's, like, no, no. Like, she has every right and more to be, like, a petty Betty, a bitter bitch like whatever you want to do like it's justified everything <laughs> yeah so part of me sympathizes so when Emma, when Lorelai walks in and there's all those flower baskets on the ground part mm-hmm. of me sympathizes with Lorelai when she starts realizing that she's the one that's going to have to do everything because clearly her parents are like gonzo <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean so part of me really sympathizes with her because I'm like oh my god I have to plan a funeral and I have to, you know what I mean like it's not it's not fun, right? No. Uh, especially when you don't have Emily's time and resources, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of me is just like, your mother deserves all the bitterness in the world right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's like, her her emotions are valid. Her feelings are valid. And if she needs to fucking get drunk in the middle of the day in her nightgown, like, let her do it. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something, especially about Emily in the last two episodes, I would say, because we discussed last week about how, you know, making a scene in the mall is just sometimes what you got to do. And not in, you know, in our in our own lives, it's not so much it's not so much a scene, but it's like, you know, I'm going to go out and spend money because I'm feeling this. I'm feeling some type of way. Um, And this week, it's a, a similar extension of that where, you know, have you never I mean, I think. I can think about a thousand different examples from my own my own life, but just have you never had an experience where it's like I've put my all into this and the other person didn't give a shit or the other person just shafted me or the other person didn't like the other person just didn't give a shit. And we yeah. just summarize. We just summarize like it's just been in a situation where you just give your all to something and it's not it's not good enough and it's like, oh okay fuck my drag you know like that just, drag, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> like just that moment of oh okay fuck me like you know like it's just I don't know I'm, no, no, I'm, I, I, I understand what you're saying I think Emily in this case is like 
I have devoted 39 years of my life to this man. I have taken abuse from his mother. I just found out that the woman that his mother wanted him to end up with, um, he's still been seeing her every day, every year, you know, mm -hmm. and lying to me about it. Um, I'm grieving my own friend that my husband couldn't be bothered to come to. He doesn't exactly. fucking need me anymore. He's uh, making fun of the way I, you know, do everything. He wants to be young and go into the city and do blah, blah. You know, no, it's enough. Yeah. And like, not even so much that she even needed an excuse to reach a breaking point. It was just like, I think the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back was obviously the carbon copy of the letter. But I think... <laughs> You know, she was also dealing with some complicated emotions of losing a good friend. And then all of a sudden, oh, her mother-in-law dies. It's like, okay, fuck my grief. I have to, like, dedicate myself to you once again. And then, oh, look, I found this letter. Like, yeah. you know, just, yeah. I want to no. give her a hug. And I'll say, like, pour me a drink, too. I'm going to sit and read in the corner also and don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Emily, let's go. Let's go to a drag bar. <laughs> I feel like it would have been a really great opportunity to take Emily to a drag show right then and there. Oh, uh, yes, I agree. <laughs> it's been the life of the party, let's be honest. Um, also, I'd like to remind everyone that if you like Emily in her bathrobe, smoking a cigarette, toasting with her scotch glass, if you like that image, <laughs> we have keychains that we're selling with that image. Yes, so we can please put on uh, put it back on our Instagram story with a swipe up link so people can <laughs> people can get the very own Emily done with everyone's shit. Yeah, I call it the fuck it Emily Gilmore keychain. <laughs> she gives no fucks. And that's, the, that's the energy I I aspire to have every day. I, you know, most I of the time I fail, but sometimes I I achieve it. <laughs> I have too much anxiety to have that energy every day. I feel like that's but I feel like that's an important point to make is that. I don't know, like bitches with chronic anxiety just like put so much time and effort into things that they that they know matter and they believe matter and they they need to, you know, get that sense of accomplishment and achievement from putting their all into something and then oh look the thing that I put my all into blew up in my face or the or someone else someone else fucked it up and now I'm just now I'm just left here with with my own. Like, my own grief, my own realization that I I made the conscious decision to put too much of myself into something that someone else didn't give two shits about. And it's like, I don't know, it's just, it's it's a very validating feeling, I find, when it, like, you, I'm sure you've, just, you've felt it as much as I have. It's just whenever you have to just sit back for a moment and think like, oh, okay, you know, it's, this is partly my fault. I'll take, I'll take, you know, I'll take some of the blame for giving too much of myself to something but on the other hand like someone else screwed me over someone else you know didn't see my point of view someone else took advantage of me like all of those emotions kind of merge into one it's like you know what fuck all of you bye-bye like yeah <laughs> do you think so that brings me to a question that i wanted to ask do you think at this point emily is just like oh I don't know. <laughs> like, first of all, I wanted to ask, do you think that Emily told Richard that she found the letter? Because that's never really discussed. Um, and I always wanted to know, because part of me thinks that, like, she's like, fuck him, too. Yeah. You know, when she's in that mind frame, she's like, fuck him. 
like he had ample opportunity to tell me as well, you know, and he's been lying about Penelope. You know what I mean? So part of me is just like, fuck him. I don't even want to talk to him anymore. And part of me is like, do you think she got so mad that she was like, how fucking dare you and your stupid mother who you've defended your whole, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what end of the spectrum do you think she went on? Um, I'm going to have to say that she didn't, in my opinion, I don't think she discussed finding the letter with him. I think, yeah. I think she was too thrown into the emotion, thrown into the fuck it emotions of everything. It's like, not mm-hmm. why bother even telling him about it? I don't care about anything anymore. Right. And then... By the time the funeral came around and she had to pull herself together and, you know, be the respectable, presentable wife that she's always been, mm-hmm. I think by that point, Richard then kind of offers her the olive branch of let's bury Gran with her husband and, and Richard's father instead of putting her on the mantle as she requested. Mm-hmm. And I think that little moment they share together is a very small and ultimately pointless olive branch based on what happens later. But... I think that's Richard kind of in his own way acknowledging that like, hey, I know my mom was hard on you. I know you, you didn't always see eye to eye or whatever it was like Richard's Richard's perspective would be very different and jarring from Emily's. But I think in that moment at the very end where they hug and they smile and whatever, it's like Richard is saying, you know what? No, I've you've you've done enough for Gran. We've all done enough for Gran. She'll she'll be fine with my dad in the ground kind of thing and not on our mantle. I just yeah. think, but I think it was symbolic more of, we don't need, Emily, my wife doesn't need any more of Grand's presence in the house. So it's like, I get it. You didn't get along for whatever reason. I'm putting her with my dad in the ground. You know, yeah. I, I, based on that interaction alone, I don't think the letter was brought up. Yeah. So part of me thinks, so I agree. I don't think she brought it up to me. To him, excuse me, to me. Who the fuck am I? Um, part of me thinks she didn't bring it up to him because she reached, like you said, that level of fuck it where she's like, I'm done with this man kind of thing. And part of me was just like, by the time she got out of her drunken stupor and had to put herself together for the uh, the funeral, it was no longer, she turned back into like society, Emily. Where exactly. she was like, right now I have a duty to my husband to be, you know, respectable and put on my dress and grieve with him and whatever even though they really didn't spend much time together that we saw at the funeral or the wake, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me thinks it was just like, maybe she had planned to tell him. And then, like you said, that olive branch happened and she was like, whatever, I'll leave it. But the thing that I take away from that scene, which was a very beautiful scene, I think, um, where, you know, like you said, he all, he offers her an olive branch of, we'll just put her in the ground. Um, which by the way is where dead people belong. Just <laughs> Um, it's not outrageous um, but yeah part of me is like she's accepting it so Richard offers it as a you know I know you've been through a lot with her here's a compromise like we don't have to follow every single one of her wishes and I think in Richard's mind he's like see look I do care about you Yeah. but in Emily's mind it's like well thank you but after all of this it's a little too fucking late yeah but part of her is like, I'm not going to cause a scene here, obviously. And and also it goes back to what we said at the beginning of the episode where I shouldn't have to tell you these things, right? Just like I shouldn't have to tell you that, yes, you have to come to my friend's funeral. 
I shouldn't have to tell you that this small little gesture after 39 years of abuse is nothing. Like, it's not even a blip on the radar. Yeah. So I think she's just so tired. She's like, thanks, Richard. But in her head, she's like, fuck this, man. <laughs> Maybe not in terms. But you know what I mean? Like, she's just so tired that she's like, he's thinking he's doing this grand gesture for her and saying thank you for all of these things. And I think that speaks more to, like, how far apart they've grown in all this time. Because he's thinking he's doing the right thing and she's going to appreciate it so much. And she's saying, like, yeah, but it's too little too late, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Like, I see where you're coming from, and we know what happens after, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think in that moment in the end of the episode where they just, I think just the smile, like, they share they share a smile. I think it's, like, I'm going to say all is forgotten, but it's, like, in terms of Emily and her and knowing her husband, I think she's just, like, you know what? It's it's okay. Like, I don't, I'm not going to say she's forgives or forgets at all especially <laughs> you know the, the, the scene I'm thinking of is I think it's in the, the season 5 premiere when she's like you know the most iconic Emily Gilmore line to exist is then buy me a bow and drive me to Reno because I'm open for business like yeah. we know like we know that sassy Emily returns promptly but <laughs> I think in that in that moment she's like just she, they share a smile and it's like okay yeah so I think what's happening there is and again this might be me reading too way too much into it but I think what's happening there is her being like listen he's trying this is his best effort kind of thing and I'm gonna you know it's okay but I think you know after the, everything dies down with the funeral and they have more time to kind of be together and again we're jumping way ahead like you said she doesn't forget right so mm-hmm. we've all had those moments where like I'm gonna let this go but then you're not really fully ready to let it go. So yeah. it like just rears its ugly head all the fucking time. Yeah. I think that's what's inevitably going to happen to Emily. Mm-hmm. All these things that for all these years she's had to deal with. And she's constantly been saying, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to let it go. You reach a certain point where you're just like, I can't fucking let it go anymore. Yeah. And then everything bubbles to the surface. For sure. I agree. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, à suivre. <laughs> as we say in French. <laughs> but, yeah. I just, I also want to point out how um, amazing Kelly Bishop's acting was, not only in this episode, but last week's episode. Mm-hmm. The woman's a, a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, she gives her all every single time. Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, I, uh, I don't even know what to say. Like, last week's episode for sure was great with the breakdown in the mall. But, mm. like, the range of emotions this week, in this week's episode, from, like, resigned to fed up to, like, just crazy. It's just, it's, and then once again, going back to, like, resign. It's just, it's it's amazing. She's amazing. I can't, yeah. um I can't say that enough. By the way, have you seen Halston, the new show she's in? Uh, no. I thought she, wasn't she going to be joining the next season of the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Yes, but she's also in Halston, which premiered last month, I think, on Netflix. Oh, I did not know. I'll have to look for it. Mistaken. Yeah, my brother and sister-in-law watched it. They said they liked it, so I have to. Uh, and apparently, her acting in it is great yet again. But I'm not surprised. Um. 
But um, she also doesn't look like she's aged a day. No, she's like she's she's aged very well. I would I would say. Yeah. So um, check that out if you like Emily, uh, not Emily, Kelly Bishop's acting, I should say. And yes, I of course cannot wait for her and and Milo in <laughs> Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, maybe I'll like. Maybe I have to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you have to like bite the bullet and just succumb yeah. to peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. Well. It's popular for a reason, Jeffrey. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Are you knitting right now? No. Okay, because I thought I was hearing like ticket, like like tip tapping in the background. I'm like, I think she's knitting as she's talking to me. I'm not knitting. <laughs> well, everybody, she knits a lot. So I have to ask. Um, should we discuss the terrible Luke and Nicole plotting in this episode? Ugh! If we must. Like, to me, and I had, this is probably the only coherent thing I wrote down in my notes this week. (laughs) It's just like, to me, watching this episode now, today, for this podcast, I was like, just hit me all of a sudden. The plotting of Luke and Nicole and their whole storyline is just horrible. Like, it's terrible. Like, it's just, I'm in awe of how bad it is. So especially, mean, especially in contrast with all of the Gilmore family drama going on, it's like let's throw in some Luke and Nicole angst. Like nobody asked for that. If she ne- if she never returned, we would not have noticed. Yeah. So I found it really. I also found it very weird um, that they just kind of threw it in. like the episode had enough on its own without having to throw. Like you didn't need that to fill the minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. There were other things to focus on. Um, and it seemed like a weird, it seemed like weird timing. I agree with you to throw it in there. Um, especially since the scenes that Nicole was in were really like, there was really no substance to them. So there's one in the beginning where, uh, they're fighting in the town square and Kirk is pretending to read their lips. (laughs) Oh, Kirk, I can't. Um, there's that one, and then there's the one where they're fighting upstairs, um, in the apartment in the diner, and to me, it's, like, it's also she has no regard for his work or his life, I feel like. Yeah. Like, she goes to the town, she makes a scene in the square, and then she comes downstairs while he's taking an order, and she's like, um, are you coming? Like, you know, you can't, imagine if he had done that in her law firm, yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, it's just another way that this whole relationship in general has always been mismatched. Mm-hmm. Like that whole cliche of we come from two totally different worlds. Like <laughs> this actually makes sense in this case. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't get it either. I don't get why they threw, a, threw that in there. And it's just it, it just reinforces all the things we said about all the problematic elements we've talked about with Luke and Nicole's storyline in the past. It's just, they wanted it. I think they, I don't know. We've, we've, we've tossed around different possibilities, different theories of what the writers were going for with them. But ultimately at this point, I think it was just, let's just roll with it and see where it goes. And it was not good because the, like Nicole was absent for most of the, action of their story yeah and then when you actually see her again it's like snippets like 
We saw her we saw her briefly a couple of weeks ago, and now we see her again for like two whole scenes. Oh my gosh! But like only a couple of lines here and there. We're like we can use our imagination about about what they're arguing about, but it's just like eh, okay, like you this is no like no. <laughs> you know what I think happened now that I'm thinking about it. I think the, the the writers like looked up and were like, oh fuck, it's already episode sixteen. If we want Lorelai and Luke to get together at the end of this episode, they have to break up quick. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. <laughs> like they had to they had to start throwing in little anecdotes to signify that all is not well with Luke and Nicole so that they could start plotting the and the, you know, inevitable, but finally the moment where uh, Luke and Laura get together. Yeah, because part of me, because listen, the last we heard of Nicole, not not even that we saw her, the last we heard Luke and Nicole moved in together, right? Or quasi moved in together because Luke is still semi at his house. <laughs> um, but, you know, so the last, before this episode, we're just assuming that everything's going well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as well as it can be with, you know, Nicole, ew. Um <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I just, I, I honestly think that they realized they were running out of time to break them up. Yeah. I really do. Like, it's just, and I think part of them also realized that, like, well, where is this going? Like, you know, at the beginning, they, I think they had a plan at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, Because it wouldn't make sense to me to keep her on. Because it would have been so easy to say, here's, like, sign the divorce papers, we're done after the cruise, right? Yeah. So that's what makes me think that maybe they did have a plan for Luke and Nicole storyline. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with all the chaos of trying to write Rory and Lorelai being apart and Rory also being on her own in college and trying to develop that storyline, I think some things had to be let go. And I yeah. think inevitably it was that storyline, the Luke and Nicole storyline, because let's be honest, nobody was really interested anyway. Hmm. yeah (laughs) it's not a stretch to say that right and i think they were like you know what let's just give the people what they want at this point Mm -hmm. um because you know it had to happen right Uh, yeah i'm thinking it was just like in in like the grand scheme of things nicole's purpose was just another like another what's the term uh i was gonna say like just another distraction or another, you know, um, roadblock was where I was looking for. Another roadblock towards Luke and Lorelai finally getting together. Mm-hmm. And like like you said, you know, other stuff started happening in season four. So we, you know, Luke and Nicole were the furthest thing from our mind. But then the writers probably realized, oh, crap, it's already episode 16. If we want Luke and Lorelai to finally happen at the end of this season, we got to yeah. start like doing something. And it's just, I don't know. I think that's that's all we can probably say about it is that Luke and Nicole was just a roadblock, a re, like a red herring, and of in the you know just blocking the journey of Luke and Lorelai. It's like okay, cool, bye bye. Nobody wants you. Yeah, I think also what people forget is in the era of network television, mm-hmm. um, you had to wait a yes. very long time to know <laughs> if your show is going to be renewed. Oh, yes. It wasn't like it premieres on Netflix and people are so excited that they crash Netflix and they're like, oh, my God, season two is confirmed. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that. Every no. season in the early 2000s, especially on a family channel like the WB, 
every season you go into that writer's room thinking that this is potentially your last season. Like, gone were the days, like, we didn't, those days of, like, multi-season deals didn't exist yet. Yeah. It was literally, like, at the end of the show, we're going to, at the end of the season, we're going to take a look at the ratings. And, like, by mid-July, you would have what's coming back and what isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, even then, by the time, like, a, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s, it was, like, by May, you would know. But even earlier than that, it was summertime. You'd be waiting yeah. to know if something was coming back in September. Yeah, like, it wasn't unusual to be past, the, like, weeks past the season finale and still not know if a show got picked up for another season. I, I think we've said it before that, like, Parenthood was always that show. Whenever, oh, like, God, poor Parenthood. Like, you waited for the, to the very last minute to see if Parenthood made it to another, to another season. Jesus, poor Parenthood. That must be so much anxiety on the writers and the actors and the whole crew, really, you know? Oh. But, um, yeah, so my thinking is really that they got to the end of the episode. Because don't forget, also, I don't know if a lot of people know this, the ratings really took a dip in season four. I did not know that. So I was going to say, like, they might not have known for sure if they're getting renewed, but if they thought, like, oh, we have a hit show or somewhat of a hit show here yeah. that's, that's, like, entered the cultural conversation, then we kind of, you know, we, we kind of have hopes that we're good, we're, we're good here, but we don't know, obviously, until the, until the final word. But Yeah, like, you could always get a pretty good indication depending on, you know, who, who was talking about it and what the buzz was like um, on the network itself. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of shows weren't like that, especially on the WB. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, season four was not it's not it's not that it was terrible for ratings. It's just a lot of people, I think. The way I, I um, it was explained in a lot of articles and the way it's portrayed is that a lot of people didn't like the storylines with Lorelai and Rory not together. So they didn't like a more separate storyline and mm-hmm. they missed that dyna- that mother-daughter dynamic of them always being together, right? So they were kind of unwilling to grow with the show. Yeah, that's interesting because you and I have said a thousand times over that like we, we love season four for many reasons and one of them is that the dynamic between Lorelai and Rory had a had an opportunity to grow yeah. by, having them, by having them apart. Like that's real life, you know, like a daughter goes off to college or you know, li- like life goes in different directions. You don't live with your mom your whole life. I mean, yeah. unless unless you're unless you live in Great Gardens, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the only thing I can think of is really that um, maybe not only did they look up and see like, oh my God, it's episode sixteen. If we want them to get together, we really have to do something. But I think maybe the panic of holy shit, it might be our last season, mm-hmm. or we're not gonna hear for a while. Let's give the people what they want. Yeah. And the plan that they originally had with Nicole kind of went out the window at this point. Yeah. And like we said, what whatever the original plan with Nicole was, it wasn't executed well at all. Yeah. So. Clearly it didn't fucking work. I don't know who was in charge of that, but I hope they got fired. <laughs> like, whatever. It wasn't working. Okay. Okay. And like, I maybe I would also offer another, uh, another theory on why the ratings might have dipped a bit <laughs> in season four was like the absence of the love triangle drama that had been a bit of a mainstay throughout seasons two and three. Yeah. Like with the teen, like the teen demographic. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good possibility as well. I think, um, you know, we, we've said it before. It is a teen show Mm -hmm. first and foremost. 
So I think um, Rory's love life in general was no longer appealing to a lot of younger girl viewers, shall we say. Yeah, and like Rory's love life was not at the forefront of season four whatsoever, so... Not at all. Don't and I think, like, I think from like from our modern perspective, like it's that was a really good choice on the writer's part. Like I don't know if that like it was probably deliberate in terms of they wanted Rory off at Yale and whatever story devices they employed thereafter mm-hmm. was on purpose. But it's just like I don't know. It's especially with the like looking back um, from like the network television era. You know, it's like you, it's hard to tell what was what was like deliberate and what was not and like what was the network saying oh let's do this that sell that's gonna sell or like it's hard it's 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 hard to say especially because it's been so long but it's like was that deliberate on the writer's part like did they go into a meeting and say we want this to happen this is happening no matter what or like they said let's just roll with it and then the network said this like it's interesting to think about yeah i think people don't realize how many moving parts there were before television was revolutionized um you know, like it was the network had people to answer to the writers answer to the network, which answered to like advertisers was, answer, you know what I mean? Like there was a much bigger and higher chain of command, whereas nowadays it's like Hulu or Netflix will talk to the creators and be like, this is what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that's what I've and from what I've read, you know, of analysis of, you know, network, the 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 death I guess <laughs> like a death in part of the network television era in going into the streaming era whenever that is I'm not a you know you know I'm not a huge fan of Netflix originals and things but like right. the think the thing is with shows that are made for streaming net for streaming platforms that they're more made like a mini series like you shoot you shoot it all at once like you shoot all eight ten episodes and you put them out like it's not a matter of you like on network TV where you start shooting in July and then they start airing and you like you get you can get feedback like ratings the network didn't like this people didn't like that like it's not there's less area for feedback i guess so like it's you shoot a season at a time and then you see what happens and yeah you, for sure. you get you have to like read if god forbid it didn't do well it would probably get canceled but like if it if someone didn't like this or that it was there's just i think it allows for more creative freedom like in some ways with streaming platforms because you have to worry less about catering to advertisers and certain things, I guess. But in other ways, there's just the comforting confines of network television that, you know, you and I miss to to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely miss, um, I said it time and time again on this show. Um, I miss that anticipation of like next week on Gilmore Girl, you know, at the end of the episode. Um, I, I miss that. I miss, I miss coming back to a show that had been on hiatus for like Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, like I miss things like that as much as I hated waiting for the summer and I wanted the season premiere now, like that built the anticipation, you know what I mean? Um, And was definitely, um, I'm not going to say a plot in itself, but like that, that added to the show. I Mm -hmm. find, you know what I mean? Um, You know, we don't, I think I said this either last week or the week before Netflix does this thing where, or I should say streaming services in general, when they have a a show, it's either every episode ends on a cliffhanger Mm -hmm. to make you want to click next episode 
Or it's like every episode is its own show within the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's just the nature of network television. That's just the nature of, of streaming. Whereas with network television, you thought about when you got into the writer's room at the beginning of the season, you thought about things like, well, we're going to be on hiatus for three weeks. So maybe we want to plan this storyline around that time. And yeah. then we want to save for the, you know what I mean? You, there was a lot more thought put into the order of things and that in turn, you know, changed the way you went about certain storylines. So it's one thing to say in this season, I want this to happen. And it's another to say, I want this to happen and I want it to happen in this way. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Not a coincidence that Richard and Emily's marriage starts blowing up more towards the end of the season. Right. Like yeah. it's not a coincidence that, um, you know, Lorelai's business starts happening Lorelai's business troubles start happening at around Christmas time because they probably did a hiatus. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a lot of things to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, The episode where Jess came back the week before I looked it up the week before the episode that Jess came back was a big hiatus. Right. So, and then they were running those crazy promos with like, there were so many (laughs) promos about his return. Yeah. So like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot to do, again, it's a lot to do with, like, building up the anticipation of your show, but it's also, like, advertisers, you know, you want to do, you want to build up the promos, you want to put out promos for an important character that's coming back, because you want people to watch it, and advertisers will take notice and give you, you know what I mean? It's it's all moving pieces that you have to think about, whereas mm-hmm. streaming, it's like, this is what the show is going to be this season, it's going to be 10 episodes, drop them on the 15th, and that's it. Yeah, I do kind of, I said this before last time we talked about network versus streaming. Um, yeah. I do like how um, like Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus have kind of started bringing back the um, the idea of releasing an episode at a time, like yeah. one episode a week, especially especially with Apple, Apple TV is doing that more than anyone else i think like i'm thinking of i love the show dickinson on apple tv Mm -hmm. we've i think we've we've discussed it before um and that to me like it just that i think that show is just so brilliantly made and written um but it allowed like but releasing an episode one week at a time like the season was only 10 episodes long i think so it was but it was still that was 10 weeks so like you had an episode a week and it was just because you because you love the show it, it also allows just time to digest and time to just like sit, sit sit with what you've heard and I kind of enjoy that um it's like a, I guess it's like the best of both worlds like a hybrid of network and streaming where you get one episode a week you don't have to worry about oh now next week's a rerun or like this is a repeat or God, reruns. <laughs> you know what I mean so it's like I I don't know I think going forward streaming is obviously has already taken the monopoly so I think Yeah, but there are definitely ways to make streaming better. And I think that starts with what we said, which is releasing, you know, and what people are doing and releasing one episode at a time. Because I like the idea of, you know, digesting what you just saw. Yeah. You know, like, I liked trying to guess what was going to happen next episode just by the little snippets they gave us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That, that I found... (laughs) 
at least for me, like it made for better fans, you know, it made for better discussion too, I think. Because I remember going to school the day after Gilmore Girls aired or something else aired, like not just Gilmore Girls in particular. And you would talk with all your friends of like, did you see what happened last night? Did you see this? Did you see that? And it's like, (laughs) what do you think is going to happen next week? And then somebody would be like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Because if you look at in in 30 seconds into the promo for next week, you can kind of see Jess's hand. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) It made you kind of think about things a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and those weeks maybe back then seemed like they were never going to end between episodes. But um, I find they go by really fast when you're waiting for something. They do. And I think it's just, it's also like when you, like when you are obsessed with something, you love something, you're so into it, like you need the next episode right then and there. I think that's when like that kind of, love for something like that grows when you give space in between you know so like yeah like it, it gives it gives more time for your obsession to, to develop i guess so like if you have like if you watch the, the pilot and oh my gosh i love this i have to see the next one yeah but you then have to wait a week so it, in in you know in the space between episodes it just gives you time to ruminate about how, how much you loved it and you know like you said it makes for better fans because you have that time to digest yeah i think um there are definitely ways in which streaming services can improve. Let mm-hmm. me just say that. Um, but yes, anything else you want to talk about in this episode? Um, I think that's it. We didn't really touch on how Marion Ross also plays Cousin Marilyn, but I think they kind of, maybe they did that to display how versatile an actress Marion Ross is. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they really just did that because she, she is an actress was so amazing yeah and that they're they're just like it's one of those things where you're like i don't want to let you go but i have to because you're dead in the show yeah (laughs) they're like we we have to find something for you like we have to do it you know what i mean yeah so just like how drella plays what's her name miss celine (laughs) miss celine yes sorry um you know it's it's one of those actors that you're like you don't want to lose the talent because you know they're so versatile and you know that they can do it and ultimately it just makes the show better but how do we fit you into this plot point or this character um i think it was really well done it was it's like it's you know it's like you know it's like you know that it's the same actress but it's just it's fun <laughs> no for sure and i think um I think that the the fact that they can go from her playing tricks, such a stern woman, so hard on everybody, to like cousin Marilyn, who's who's much more of a free spirit, and yeah. like is what Lorelai refers to as a Winona, because she's like a klepto. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that in itself shows the versatility of Marion Ross. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it was really cleverly done, and I'm sure she loved it too. I'm sure. Yeah. So where can they find us, Jeffrey? Um, they can follow us on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast, on Twitters at Gilmore Podcast, and you can email us, should you so desire, at Gilmore Podcast at gmail.com. And um, if you want to leave an angry review, <laughs> because we're so awful and unbearable, you may do so um, on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher, I believe wherever you want to leave a review. Um, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) 
Uh, and that's it. We will be back uh, shortly. Yes, next week. We'll see you next week. Bye.